This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Well, I guess we can go ahead and throw the, the tanking theory down the toilet, huh? Your Miami Dolphins have a new potential franchise quarterback, and it costs them financing their second-round pick. For 12 months, the Miami Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen yesterday from the Arizona Cardinals. And I, for one, am really excited. I know there's a lot of skepticism about this move, but I'm I'm so excited to, to commit 20 to 30 minutes and talk about Josh Rosen and why your mentality should be the same as mine. I'm going to sell you. Welcome to Fin It to Win It, Chosen Rosen, our title today, because we're going to talk about Josh Rosen, one of the better quarterback prospects from the last several years of the NFL draft. And uh, the Miami Dolphins did a wonderful job. They kind of emerged late in the game here. They were talked about as a potential suitor for Josh Rosen throughout the pre-draft process. But the question was always going to be, what was the cost? How much was it going to cost you or run you to secure his services? And the Miami Dolphins never blinked. They got really involved. Once the end of the first round happened, Kyler Murray was actually selected by the Arizona Cardinals at number one. That was the first domino. So phone calls start taking place. There's reports that came out yesterday on Friday, day two of the draft, uh, around lunchtime, that the Dolphins were in heavy talks. But Arizona always, initially Arizona wanted the one. But this thing comes and goes and you draft Kyler Murray. Arizona has no leverage in this situation. They're really at the mercy of the teams that are bidding for Josh Rosen's services. And the Dolphins getting heavily involved because I think they understood the the value of the risk is what makes so much sense. And that's why I'm so excited with this. But to continue working through this timeline first, they wanted the second round pick. As soon as the, the first round ends, they, you know you're not going to get a first round. Nobody's going to give you a first round pick next year once you have Kyler Murray. So Miami picking 48, they, they slide back 14 spots in the second round and pick up an extra second round pick for 2020. And then they use that 62nd pick that they had gotten from the New Orleans Saints. And they trade that to the Cardinals along with the 2025th for Josh Rosen. This is genius. They didn't lose the second round pick. I hear people that, that are skeptical of Josh Rosen and don't like this move say, well, the Dolphins wasted a second round pick. They didn't waste anything. They just pushed the second round pick back 12 months. Think about it. Coming into day two of the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins had one 2019 second round pick and one 2020 second round pick. Two seconds. 
after the Josh Rosen trade, the Miami Dolphins still have two second round picks and Josh Rosen. The cost is the 12 month lease on that second round pick before they're able to turn it in in 2020, which is the year that they have all their draft capital and ammo anyway. The Dolphins now have a one, two twos, two threes, thanks to the Juwan James departure as a comp pick, two fours, thanks to the Ryan Tannehill trade, two fives, thanks to Cam Wake compensatory pick, two sixes and two sevens. Guys, we are cooking with grease right now. Chris Greer has done a wonderful job. He did not break his own mantra where this team is going to operate and they're going to be based around draft capital. That's how they want to conduct their business. They now have 13 picks in 2020, and they didn't lose a pick without making sure they acquired that pick. So what I mean by that is they didn't just trade the second for the player. They're going to finance it. You know, they may have to pay some interest on it because you don't get that immediate payoff, and that may hurt your roster in the short term. But they still have the draft capital that they had coming in. So for Chris Greer to cover himself that way opens them up to be flexible and say, okay, you know what? This is a top 10 quarterback in the 2018 NFL draft. Now, there's some, some questions about his potential fit in a lot of locker rooms. I think it's interesting that some of the narratives around Josh Rosen throughout the 2018 pre-draft process, and even now, uh, kind of center around uh, his attitude, uh, the way he carries himself. But then you think about how Brian Flores has stated he wants the mentality of his football players to be, and he said he wants players that love football. He wants uh, intelligent football players. There's no question Josh Rosen's intelligent. But... I think it's really telling that Flores, who was a part of a pre-draft process in New England, kind of took away from the time that the Patriots had spent around him and his exposure to him and was receptive to this idea. Because you know, Chris Greer and Brian Flores have talked extensively about how they are in constant communication for every move that they make. This was not a move that was done and thrown into Brian Flores' lap. That's not how the Dolphins conduct business. Chris Greer and him are, this is the glory of having things set together at the very beginning. This is Chris Greer's hand-picked choice to be the head coach of this football team. So they're on the same page. So many times with the Miami Dolphins in recent years, you see the infighting that takes place where they're at, at odds against each other because they're jockeying for job security. Well, One of the things Stephen Ross did when he he let go of Mike Tannenbaum was he took the fact that Adam Gase responded directly to Stephen Ross. Mike Tannenbaum responded directly to Stephen Ross. And Chris Greer responded directly to Stephen Ross. And he cut that out. And now they have a linear structure of hierarchy in the front office and leadership of the Miami Dolphins. It's Steve Ross, the owner. Chris Greer is running the show. And Brian Flores reports to Chris Greer, and they work together hand-in-hand. So that change in the structure of the Miami Dolphins, I think, offers optimism that while they're on the same page right now, they're going to continue to be on the same page going forward with moves. So how does Rosen fit the Dolphins' plans? I know a lot of people are surprised because you've been told that the Miami Dolphins are going to tank. 
Dolphins were never going to tank. They just knew it might get worse before it gets better. But this is unprecedented for the Arizona Cardinals. To draft a guy at 10, to trade up a 1, a 3, and a 5, to draft a guy at 10, expose him to playing conditions that have a former wide receiver playing tight end, a former undrafted wide receiver playing tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones. The second round pick that they, they selected to play wide receiver got hurt and missed the end of the season. The offensive line was abysmal, and there were no other threats in the past game aside of an aging Larry Fitzgerald. This Cardinals structure was horrible, terrible, probably one of the worst conditions in football. And then you add in on top of that some of the dynamics of uh, the direction of the Arizona franchise in general. And we just got done talking about how Miami has made some changes for the better with the way their leadership operates and the flow of command. It's very messy in Arizona. And a lot of that is why you see uh, some of the dysfunction and this unprecedented trade of a coveted quarterback prospect in Josh Rosen uh, come to reality because there's a lot of different interests from a lot of different parties in, in Arizona. And, and Rosen's availability is a byproduct of that. So how does Rosen fit into the Dolphins' plans? Well, I've had a lot of people reach out to me as Dolphins fans and express their concerns that what the heck happens if the Dolphins are good with Rosen, but Rosen's not great, and we can't win a Super Bowl with Josh Rosen. I would say you don't have to look any further than the fact that Miami has scouted linebackers, they've scouted corners, they've scouted safeties, they've scouted offensive line, they've scouted defensive tackles, edge, wide receiver. The Dolphins are leaving no stones unturned because they need to ramp up the depth of this team across the board. And the Dolphins also need to really promote that competitive culture. The Dolphins' sins with Ryan Tannehill really come back and stem to the fact that they never pushed him once. They coddled him. You're the franchise quarterback. They never drafted somebody to compete with him. The Miami Dolphins, just because they have Josh Rosen, let's not mail it in and assume they're never going to invest a quarterback in the next three or four years. They have three years of control with a fourth-year option for Josh Rosen. The three years of control in his base salary, they will pay him $6 million in three seasons combined because the Cardinals paid all of his guaranteed money. What's the risk? If Rosen stinks, the Dolphins go 1-15, you can get the Tua Viola that you want. You can get the Trevor Lawrence that you want. You can get the Justin Herbert that you want. But if Rosen shows promise, and he'll have, I think he'll have two years to do it, I really do. If he shows promise, and you build around him, I love the Michael Dieter pick that they made yesterday, then the Dolphins are in a situation in which they can now not waste two twos, an extra three, and trade up if they go six and ten this year. This flies in the face of a lot of reports, but believe it or not, the Dolphins were never trying to lose. Teams in the NFL, life is too short. You cannot step into a situation, gut your team so deliberately, 
and deliberately go 1-15-0-16. If you're dysfunctional, that's how you get to that situation. And listen, we've talked about this in the build-up to this year's NFL draft as well. Look across the landscape, right? Think about the teams that we were worried about being in contention for the Tua Tagovailas and the Justin Herberts of the world. New York Giants just spent a sixth overall pick on Daniel Jones. The Denver Broncos just traded up and drafted Drew Locke. Now, granted, he, he went in the early second round, so they're not married to him, but they have Joe Flacco under contract, and they have Drew Locke. Drew Locke's probably not going to play this year. They're, they're not going to be in the market. You look at team, Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, the Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, a lot of these teams, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. There's a ton of young talent in the league right now at the quarterback position. Who's going to be you know, stumbling over themselves to get in Miami's way if Miami really wanted to move up with all this draft capital for a quarterback that they fell in love with? You've seen teams commit to quarterbacks. Arizona, again, taking Kyler Murray number one. Dwayne Haskins going 15 to the Washington Redskins. Cincinnati Bengals are out there as an option. The L.A. Chargers are a team to watch, but the L.A. Chargers are going to be good next year. L.A. Chargers aren't going 2-14. and 14. So, you know, I think we get so wrapped up in the moment, right? It's, oh, well, we got to make sure we get the first-round pick. There was that idiot Dolphins fan uh, from yesterday who said he was becoming a Panthers fan because the Dolphins traded the 62nd pick for Josh Rosen, calling it the worst trade in franchise history. But let's step down off the ledge here and think about this objectively. The Dolphins, I love what they did here. This is a really, really exciting time because the risk incurred to the Dolphins is so low. What do they have to lose? The expectations are low anyway. Now, I think where this gets really interesting is when you start to think about where the Dolphins uh, need to start getting Rosen on the field. Do you need to play Josh Rosen right away? And if the answer is yes, because you need to find out what he is for you, if you're uncomfortable with the prospect of playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, keeping Josh Rosen under wraps because it's going to keep you out of the 2020 quarterback market, if you don't like what you see from Rosen, then they need to go offense the rest of the way. They need to invest heavily in the offensive line. Like I said, I love the Michael Dieter pick. Dieter, Dieter over the course of his career, has played 10-plus starts at tackle, guard, and center. Put him at left guard where he played for Wisconsin last year, next to Laramie Tunsil. I know they like Jesse Davis. Maybe Jesse Davis stays at right guard. Let's get a right tackle so we get Zach Starrup the hell up out of here. And let's think about what we have in Daniel Kilgord and see where else we can can work forward with the offensive line group and really try and get a stout group in front of Josh Rosen. Because if you put Rosen out there and throw him to the Wolves with a bad offensive line, how much better is it going to be? The Dolphins' offensive line has sucked for years. And a lot of that really contributed to and exacerbated the issues that we saw with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill got pummeled behind a Dolphins offensive line that was Swiss cheese for years. While Ryan Tannehill was not the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, let's be honest, 
there were much more issues with Dolphins teams during the course of Ryan Tannehill's six, seven years as a member of the football team than just Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill had his flaws, but he also had his flashes. You had to keep him healthy. And down the stretch, you could tell mentally he really got rattled by all the heat that he was under. Now, Rosen played with a bad offensive line at UCLA. Played with a bad offensive line at the Arizona Cardinals. So he's used to working with pressure, and he's not the most mobile guy. But you think about a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who a lot of people liked coming into this year's NFL draft. I think Rosen works the pocket better and stays inside the pocket better than what you got with Dwayne Haskins, who people were you know, interested in potentially with a 13th overall pick for the Miami Dolphins. So that should not be ignored. I think that's a really interesting piece of this, that Rosen has ability to extend plays within the pocket, much like you see from Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers. Uh, He's not a big, strong body like Ben Roethlisberger. Make no mistake. He's not going to shrug off tackles. But he can bob and weave inside the pocket. You saw it at UCLA. You saw flashes of it at Arizona. But you can't make him a sitting duck. And if you want to evaluate Josh Rosen on the field immediately, then the Dolphins need to take the rest of their draft capital. They need to target another big body at wide receiver. They need to target another interior offensive lineman or a right tackle that they feel the value is appropriate, that they would feel comfortable with starting. Listen, we saw the Indianapolis Colts last year. Now, granted, it was the sixth overall pick and a second round pick, but they took Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly got healthy at center. And they completely transformed their offensive line in one year. I'm not going to say that the Dolphins are going to go and have one of the best offensive lines in football next year. But if you choose to commit yourself and your resources to fixing a single part of your team and you're willing to overlook the other issues elsewhere, you can get that done in a short amount of time. You won't have a complete team And that's why the Dolphins say this is a multi-year process, because it is a multi-year process to fix the entire team. You're never going to have enough capital to fix everything overnight. The Dolphins might have enough capital next year to fix two or three pieces of this roster. But right now they have a potential fix at quarterback. Really exciting. The Cardinals picked this guy at 10 last year. And we got him for 62 but we got 62 because we added the second round pick in 2020. They didn't lose anything. So if you want to get Rosen on the field, then Miami needs to you know, kind of adjust. The, the pass rush next year is going to be awful. And because of that, Miami's not going to win a lot of football games. We're at that point in the draft, day three. You're not going to find pass rushes that are going to help you off the edge. Bless him. Charles Harris needs to step up his game big time. Perhaps the Dolphins... Look for some cuts, you know, throughout the course of, of uh, training camp and the preseason process, and they they they're able to pick up some cheapies that can kind of help them along the way and make it respectable. But right now, that's not an area that's not good, that's going to get fixed for the Miami Dolphins. They're rolling with Eric Rowe at the opposite corner outside of Xavier Harrow. You're not going to get a corner at this point in the game, most likely. That's going to help turn things around. Now, 
there are some players that are really interesting for the Dolphins that I'd love to see them go after here on day three. I talked about a big body wide receiver, Kelvin Harmon from NC State, still on the board. Time will tell. You're probably going to listen to this, most of you, after the draft. We'll see if they go that way. I'm going to call my shot, say that it's a player I'd love to see the Dolphins go out and get. Because right now, the big body on the roster, wide receiver, is Devontae Parker. And you can't rely on Devontae. I appreciate the fact that the, the Dolphins you know, worked his fifth-year option into a much more affordable and reasonable price point so that he can continue to be a part of this roster. And hopefully a new coaching staff can kind of draw out the best of him. Brian Flores has talked a lot about development. He wants to develop his football players. And, and it doesn't matter whether you're a rookie, second-year player, fifth-year player, tenth-year player. I think that's necessary. I think that's a must. But player development isn't easy. So you need to push guys. Again, that, that's the, the theme of this for people that are worried about whether it's Josh Rosen, Devontae Parker, any other position on the roster. Development comes from when you have to work for your job. At the NFL level, with these guys, I think everybody knows that the cards are on the table. The Dolphins, nobody's safe. Like, until they sign Xavier Howard, like, Xavier Howard, they obviously want to be part of the long-term piece uh, of the team. Laramie Tunsil, they've got some some time yet. They've potentially got two years with him left. Those are the only guys that I would, like, consider safe. Rashad Jones, been listed as trade bait. Uh, They've been looking at wide receivers. They were looking at running backs. They got Kenyon Drake, although Kenyon Drake's in contract year. They just took Kalen Balage with a middle-round pick last year. Uh, they're, they're interested in all positions. It doesn't really matter where you play. And quarterback should be no different. But if you're going to push Rosen into the forefront and you got to play him because you want to evaluate him, talked a little bit about wide receiver, talked a little bit about offensive tackle. I don't know where they're going to find a right tackle in the draft at this point that they they could feel really good about starting if they wanted to start multiple rookies on the offensive line. I expect now that the draft has come and gone and the compensation the compensation pick formula window has expired, I think you'll see the Dolphins after the draft get involved again in adding free agents to this roster because you have a set point where you can sign players and it no longer is factored into whether or not you're going to get comp picks. The Dolphins don't want to go out while this comp pick window is still open and negate the potential fifth for Cam Wake and negate the third round pick that they have coming for Juwan James, who got a record-setting contract from the Denver Broncos. They've been playing at Coy. They have a ton of space on their 90-man roster for going into training camp. Uh, they, for a while there, had... Less than 60 players signed. They went on a little frenzy before the draft process really got into its final week, week and a half. But they have a ton of space. And again, they don't have a ton of draft capital this year. So UDFAs, some lingering veterans who need homes, and there's some offensive line talent available. You look at a lot of the names that are still on the market that are veteran offensive linemen. And some names stand out, guys that have started in the league for a really long time. Stefan Wisniewski uh, started as of late for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's 30 years old. He's not going to be long-term fix. You know that. But you have to sign potentially an interior guy to make sure you've got some depth. Jeremy Parnell's on the market for the Jacks- from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan Shader, uh, Schrader from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jared Valdir. 
Donald Penn. These guys are all at the tail end of their careers, but because of that, they're on the market and they're going to be cheap. So, no, with the tank idea now being debunked, right? The Dolphins aren't hoping to go three and out 12 possessions of every football game. They need to move the ball and they need to, to have adequate options so that you can get that accurate look on what you have on Josh Rosen. These guys make a lot of sense because they're short-term signings. They're going to be cheap signings. You're not wasting draft capital. This is technically a page out of the Patriots playbook. They have their cornerstone players, their keystone players, and then they mix and match. They're constantly churning portions of their starting lineup with cheap options so that they can afford to pay their keystone cornerstone players. And the Dolphins right now, getting ready to pay Minka Fitzpatrick. Or I'm sorry, they're getting paid, ready to pay Xavier Howard. They got Laramie Tunsil, who's in the final year. He's got the fifth-year player option, but whenever they want to extend him, they'd be well within their rights to do so, and they should do so. Uh, hopefully Josh Rosen turns into a quarterback that a couple years from now, four or five years from now, is ready for a player extension if things go well. So this management group, and Brian Flores is the head coach of this football team, these are the kind of seismic shifts that you've seen in their philosophy where it's not let's slap a Band-Aid on everything, we're going to throw money at the wall and hope these guys stick. They've really changed their thought process on how to build a roster. It comes down to draft capital. Don't trade draft picks without accounting for them and making sure you have them invested somewhere else. Perfect example is the trade back. They, they traded 48, they got two seconds, and then they traded one second. So they turned two seconds into, or one second into two, and then traded one of those assets. They didn't lose a pick, right? They, they conceded space in the draft order that they didn't pick a player in that draft order anyway. So I, for one, am really excited about some of the philosophical changes we're seeing be put into play. You know, the Dolphins, just like every team across the NFL, they do the work and build the draft board, and then they sit down and they craft a plan. This plan is beautiful right now to stay true to your board, to, to have a guy that you fell in love with. Apparently, they were flirting with the Eagles about a potential trade back from 13 to 23 that could have potentially netted them a, a first-round pick in 2020. But they said, ah, you know what? We love Christian Wilkins. He's a culture guy for us. He's a guy that's going to have to stay in this locker. We can't let him go through our fingers. I respect that. Could have totally guessed he was actually the player that I projected the Dolphins to take at 13 because he fits all the boxes, checks all the boxes that they've talked about that they want. And then they manufacture one second into two seconds and then trade one of those seconds away for Josh Rosen, who financially is essentially for free, $6.1 million over the next three years. And then in the third round, they land a starting caliber offensive lineman in Michael Dieter. The Dolphins crafted this plan, and they played their cards beautifully. So while the draft is not completely wrapped, I'm recording this on Saturday morning. Uh, day three is getting ready to kick off at 12 noon. You have to applaud the vision here. They stayed true to their core values. They took a low-risk investment in Josh Rosen that could potentially boom if they do the right things around him. Now, do they pivot their plan? Or did this, or, or or was the plan always going to be 
building up certain components of this football team. Time will tell. Time will see how they handle the post-draft process, signing UDFAs and signing free agents. But I'll be sure I keep you guys in the loop. I'd like to thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to Fin It to Win It and step back off the ledge if you're worried about this Josh Rosen thing. There's no risk at all. The only thing the Miami Dolphins decided last night was that they were going to finance their second-round pick for 12 months. It's the only thing that changed. They still have the pick. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a really, really notable change in philosophy for the Miami Dolphins. And I think us as fans need to understand that, see that in the big picture, and applaud it. I'm Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape on Twitter, uh, lead, en- lead editor of the Dolphins Wire for USA Today. If you're interested in more Dolphins content, you can find it there. If you're more interested in draft content as we're wrapping up draft season, swing over to the Draft Network. I'm one of the national uh, draft analysts for the draftnetwork.com. Uh, thanks, as always, listening to Fin It to Win It. We'll catch up with you guys again next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.